You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Amen. Would you grab your Bibles and turn them to 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel chapter 17. And this morning, I want to speak to you on a passage of Scripture that many of us are familiar with. It's the story of David and the big, hairy, giant Goliath. You've probably heard this story a hundred times, but how many people are thankful that the word of God is alive and active? And you may have read John 3.16 a thousand times, but it can speak to you differently than it did the first thousand times. That the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. And I believe that this morning that he's going to take a passage in scripture that you've seen and heard and maybe even preached time and time again. And it's going to do something inside of your heart. And he's going to show you passages in this scripture that you did not notice before and it will change your life. How many people believe that God wants to come in and transform their life today? Today. Come on. How many people believe that God wants to bring freedom to your life today? Today. Some of you came in with marriage issues. Some of you are on the precipice of divorce, on the precipice of, of relational conflict, and you're saying, God, I need a miracle. Some of you came in this morning on the precipice of financial ruin. Come on, precipice is the word for this morning. And you're wondering, how do I get out of this situation? I believe that God is going to give you supernatural insight today. Some of you are on the precipice of ruin in your relationships with your children. I believe that God is going to begin to give you wisdom and clarity in your life today, that there is transformation and there is freedom in church today, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 8, it says this, a big, giant, hairy man stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Now let me just lay out uh, the picture today. We've got uh, two, two sides. The Israelites and the Philistines. They're on two different ends of, of this, this area, and there is a valley between them. And they are ready to fight each other. It's, it's seemingly like Groundhog's Day. The Israelites and the Philistines just keep fighting each other. But this time is different. There's a man named Goliath. And in verse 10, the, the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Verse 12, now David was the son of, a, of an Ephrathite, whatever that means. He was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse. You ever read something in scripture and you're just like, wow, that must mean something, an Ephrathite, um, named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, God bless him, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The first one was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, the third oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning, and evening and took his stand. Now I want you to notice, I'm going to read it again. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Jump down to verse 20. It says, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to his battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As they were talking with him, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Everybody say, David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Everybody say, fear go. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him and will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his families from paying W-2s and 1099s and every other form of taxes in Israel. David asked the man standing, standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? One of the best scriptures in all of, of the Bible. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. 
When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few precious sheep with in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Everybody say, watch the battle. Jump down to verse 32. It says, David said to Saul, come on, some of you are hearing more passages of scripture this morning than you've heard all year. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Come on, these are fighting words. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair as one does and struck it and killed it as we all have. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul attempted to dress David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off and then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones. Everybody say, David's got stones from the stream come on that took you a moment put them on in his pouch of a shepherd's bag and when his sling in his hand he approached the philistine verse 41 says meanwhile the philistine with the shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to david he looked david over and saw that he was little more than a boy glowing with health and handsome and he despised him he said to david am i a dog that you come at me with sticks and the philistine cursed david by his by his gods not his dogs by his gods Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Verse 45 says, David said to the Philistine, you come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, today, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give your carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly. Everybody say, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out David's stones, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. <clears throat> he, the stones stank into his... Stank. The stones sank into his forehead and he fell face down. I'm sure it stank too. On the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with the sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and he killed him. Come on, can somebody say amen? Let's close in prayer. Whew. I got more words out than most, than most men say in a week. Today I came here to tell you that you were not called to watch the battle, you were called to fight in the battle. That you were created to be supernatural. The title of my message today is my lovely wife walks into the sanctuary. Can we all let her know we love her this morning? Praise God, you look beautiful. Oh, I'm going to pay for that one. This morning, the title of my message is I am created to be supernatural. Come on, say it. I am created to be supernatural. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that the presence of the Lord is in this room. God, we did not come here to play games. We did not come here to go through the motions. We did not come here to check a religious box. We came here to encounter you, Jesus. So, Lord, we avail ourselves of all distractions today. And we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. We say, have your way. Transform us and bring freedom into our lives. We lay down our own agendas, our own intellect. We lay down our own fears and our own pride. Do whatever you want to do today. God, transform Transform my marriage. Transform my mind. Transform my will. God, I surrender to you. And everybody said, amen. 
Amen. God created you to be supernatural. The supernatural is beyond your ability. The supernatural is not something you can do in your own strength. The supernatural requires faith. You were not designed to stay in the boat. You were not designed to stay there. Eleven disciples stayed in the boat while one had the courage to get outside the boat. Jesus never said, come outside the boat. He said, Jesus, can I come to you? And he said, then come. He's looking for people who initiate stepping outside the boat. And as you step outside, you begin to live a life of the supernatural. You were created to be supernatural. To be supernatural requires you to be super spiritual. It requires you to be super spiritual. Some of you are like, no, I know super spiritual people. They're weird. You can be weird and still be spiritual. You can be super spiritual and not be weird. There's a lot of weird people who aren't spiritual or who are spiritual. That we see weird all the time. Just drive down the road, see seeing somebody in their car with two masks on their face when they're by themselves. You can't give it to yourself. There's weird all the time. Six shots later, two masks later, and a face shield. Oh, I'm ready this morning. I'm ready. I feel like David. I'm running towards the giant. I'm not running from him. To be supernatural requires you to be super spiritual. You must be super spiritual. God knows I don't want to be under spiritual. I need to be spiritual. To walk in the supernatural, I must be spiritual. I'm, I'm saying it multiple times to make sure you get it. You must be spiritual. You must be super spiritual. You must know the Lord. You must know him. In order to get out of the boat, you must know him because you must believe that he's going to protect you when you get out of the boat. The thing about the supernatural is I don't have to have confidence in myself. I have to have confidence in God. The Bible says that when I am weak, he is strong. The Bible says it's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Let me say it again. The solution to your marriage is not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. The solution to your finances is not by might or your power, but it's by his spirit. The solution to your relationships is not by might or by power, but it is by his spirit. You must have his spirit. You must have his spirit. And God wants to invite you into a lifestyle of the supernatural where you begin to dream dreams that scare you. Many of us have dreams all the time and we'll post them on social media. I'm not talking about those dreams. I'm talking about the dreams that you're scared to post on social media because they frighten you. I'm talking about dreams that actually will change the world. You may have heard messages before from people who talk about changing the world, but this message is different because this preacher actually believes that I'm going to change the world, and I believe that you can change the world. I believe that if somebody will partner with the Lord, that anything is possible for him that believes, but it requires somebody to actually believe. It's not by might or power. But it's by my spirit. You may have been divorced two or three times. You may have gone bankrupt. You may have lost a business. You may have been mistake, made mistakes and made failures. You may have had an abortion. You may have killed somebody. You may have been addicted. You may have gone through hell. But I'm telling you is this. It's not by power. It's not by might. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. It doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter how good you are. You in your own strength cannot walk in the supernatural. It is only in a partnership with the Lord. You were created to walk in the supernatural. We oftentimes, as individuals, we like to be very calculative in the probability of our successes. If, you're, if you live in this environment here at the Promised Church where the presence of the Lord is, if you begin to cultivate daily personal encounters with Jesus, you're going to begin to get dreams and visions and ideas about things that seem impossible. And you will very quickly begin to create the probability of whether that will actually happen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you determine the probability of whether the water has the capacity to hold your weight before you step out of the boat. Which is exactly why 11 out of the 12 stayed in. 
Because even after seeing somebody step out of the boat, you still calculate the probability of whether the water will hold your weight. So you get divorced, and you don't know the probability that the next marriage will actually work, so you don't even attempt to get married again. And you stay isolated, alone, and afraid. You attempted to lay hands on somebody to pray for them that they would be healed, but it didn't work, so the next time you lay hands on somebody, you calculate the probability that it will happen, and so you don't even try out of fear that you'll look foolish in the moment. And so we use our own intellect to decide of whether something in the supernatural will actually work rather than understanding that in your own strength, none of it is possible anyway. So why even try to calculate the probability? Because God's not looking for my successes. He's looking for my yeses. He's simply looking for me to say yes and get out of the boat. Whether I sink or fail, it doesn't matter. It's that I got out of the comfort of my surrounding. And this morning, I want to tell you that you were created to not dwell in the boat. Do you realize that the boat, there was just a little bit of wood separating them from walking on water? It was just a barrier of safety that they were all very comfortable in. Some of you are like, well, it would take a miracle for my spouse to love Jesus. Great. He's in the business of miracles. Some of you are like, it would take a miracle for me to actually get married again. Great, he's in the business of miracles. It would take a miracle for my finances to not be in the red all the time. He's in the business of miracles. He's in the business of the supernatural. You were created to be in the supernatural this morning. I want to give you a couple of different things very quickly about how to be naturally supernatural. The Bible tells us a number of different things that we are to do every single week, every single day that are supernatural in nature. The first one is this is fasting. We're in a 21-day fast right now. When you fast, you are partnering with the supernatural. When you fast, I promise you, you will hear the voice of God. Only about four people said amen to that because you all are trying to decide whether you want to continue the 21-day fast right now. You all just felt guilty that you, that you stopped three days ago. When you fast, you are partnering with the supernatural. When I fast, I am denying my flesh and I'm saying yes to my spirit. When I fast, I'm doing more by doing nothing than if I tried to do everything. When I fast and I say no to food, I am partnering in the supernatural and things begin to shift in my life. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen relationships begin to be restored. I've seen finances begin to improve. I've seen words from the Lord be spoken to me while I'm fasting. I've I've seen breakthrough in my life as I've begun to fast. When I fast, I'm partnering with the supernatural. Another area of how we can be naturally supernatural is in tithing. When you tithe, you begin to step into the supernatural. When I tithe, I'm saying that me and God with 90% is better than me on my own with 100. When I tithe, I'm beginning to partner with heaven where heaven begins to open up, the Bible says, and begins to pour out blessing upon my life. And God begins to see if I can trust you with that money, I can begin to trust you with more. When you tithe, you are partnering with God. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus says, you ought to tithe and you ought to do all these other things as well. If that was the only scripture that mentioned that we should tithe, that would be enough, but there's many more. It says the tithe is holy to the Lord. When you tithe, you step into the supernatural come on let's just say amen to that as a church when you tithe you step into the supernatural another area of the supernatural is the sabbath when you sabbath you are partnering with the supernatural. Maybe some of you have never heard this before. Uh, we did, I did a series a couple of, uh, year, maybe a year and a half ago on the Sabbath. Many of you are new to our church since then. And the Bible talks very clearly about the Sabbath. In fact, it's one of the only commandments we're okay with breaking. We won't murder somebody, we'll break the Sabbath and we'll be okay with that because we'll say that one was just for back then, that was contextual, but the Sabbath is for today. The Bible says that the, that man was not created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was created for man. And God is looking whether you will trust him with one day a week. No different than with tithing. Will you trust God with 10%? Will you trust God with one day a week? That you and God with six days can get more accomplished than you on your own with seven. And one day a week you are to disconnect. You are to go in airplane mode and you are to disconnect from life and you are to connect to Jesus by napping, praise God, by reading a book that has nothing to do with your life, by worshiping the Lord. For most of you, your Sabbath is on Sunday. 
You come to church. You begin to lift up the, the name of the Lord. You begin to worship him. You begin to rest. And you don't do any work so that you can get refreshed and recharged. Every believer can partner with the supernatural principle and take a Sabbath every week. And all of you need to be doing this. I don't care whether you've got the best job in the world or the worst job in the world. I don't care whether you work seven days a week. I worked seven days a week for two years as I was starting my business uh, 10 years ago. And it was horrible. It was horrible. Never should have done it. I highly recommend right now, if you work seven days a week, to stop it, to take one day a week off. And trust that the Lord will bless you financially greater than if you work seven days a week. You need one day off. Another way that you can be naturally supernatural is praying in the Holy Ghost. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, something begins to happen in the supernatural. You know, it's really interesting in church when you begin to talk about praying in the Holy Spirit. It's like people, people would much, be much quicker to believe in heresy than they would about praying in the Holy Spirit. Because it scares people. It, it seems weird. And they think it's a gift from the devil when actually it's a gift from the Lord. I pray in the Holy Spirit all the time. In fact, when I begin to feel an attack from, from a demonic spirit, when I begin to feel anxiety or stress, which if you didn't know, that's an attack from a demonic spirit. I don't just go to medication. I go to the supernatural. And I begin to pray in the spirit. And something begins to shift. This may surprise you, but your pastor oftentimes deal with anxiety and stress and worry and fear. And when I feel an attack of the enemy, I begin to pray out in the Holy Ghost and things begin to shift. My spirit begins to come alive in a way it wasn't before and demons flee. If you're wondering what it looks like when I'm praying, I come whenever, whenever I'm at the Woodland Campus, I... I, I, I during worship practice for about 15, 20 minutes, I just roam the room and I begin to pray over all of you who are coming and I begin to pray over this room and 90% of what I'm praying is in the spirit. I don't know what I'm saying, but every so often it begins to like charge me up. It's like I just put like I electrocuted my spirit sometimes and I just like I can't handle it. I got to go out into another room so I can just shout for a moment because something begins to happen in me. When you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, you're like supercharging yourself. It's like a Tesla supercharger. I drive have a Tesla and sometimes there I, I have to charge my car and I, I can't find a Tesla supercharger and uh, if you don't know what a Tesla supercharger is you can charge your full car in about 45 30 minutes but if I go to a non-Tesla supercharger it takes about 10 hours 10 hours that's the difference 30 45 minutes or 10 hours some of you have been trying to charge yourself by going to a normal charger and it's taking you days to get yourself built up but when you connect to the supernatural you're like pumping yourself and all of a sudden you come alive again because you've connected to the supercharger they're red like the blood of jesus I could keep going and just get cornier as I keep, kept going. Another way for you to walk in the supernatural is through worship. When you worship, you partner with the supernatural. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, that you can come in with disease and sickness. I've seen it happen. No one lays hands on them, and they get healed during worship. Why? Because you're partnering with the supernatural. Something begins to shift. We see it with Paul and Silas. When they're in the prison at midnight, they begin to worship God. All of a sudden, their chains come off, and the chains of every other prison comes off because they begin to worship Jesus that when you lift up his name you partner with the supernatural the another area of the supernatural is when you have daily personal encounters with Jesus Jesus tells us how to pray he says pray this way ask the Lord for daily bread daily bread you need the daily bread of the lord to survive we see this even in with the israelites when they were in the wilderness god gave them manna from heaven they were only to go out every day and gather the manna to eat that if they tried to eat yesterday's manna it would spoil we see this with the israelites with the priests when they would go and try to keep the fire burning that if they could they try to use the ashes of yesterday the fire would go out they needed fresh firewood you need fresh daily encounters with Jesus and that partners you daily with the supernatural you are created to be supernatural verse 16 of what we read earlier it says this 
For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Every morning and every evening, Goliath came out. And he took his stand to remind the Israelites that he was greater than them. And every morning and every evening, the devil comes to remind you of how great he is. Every day he comes out to remind you, day after day you wake up and you look at your spouse next to you in the bed and you think, another day of this, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm, I'm not being funny, I'm being serious. Some of you are living in that place right now. Some of you wake up and you open up your banking app and the devil reminds you again what a failure you are. Some of you look in the mirror every day and the devil reminds you how ugly you are. Some of you wake up every day and you look at the pain in your body and the sickness and you're reminded of how you're dying and you'll never recover. Some of you wake up every day and you look at your calendar and there's nothing on it and the devil reminds you how isolated you are. You have no friends and no one cares about you. The devil reminds you every day that he's greater than you. This is why if you do not have daily personal encounters with Jesus, you will die on the battlefield. And what you'll eventually end up doing is you'll get off of the battlefield and watch everyone else fight because you're tired of losing. You're tired of getting beat up. Verse 34, David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Why was David prepared for Goliath? Why was he ready for the giant? Because he had been having daily encounters with Jesus. Before he ever faced the giant, he was having daily encounters with the Lord. Some of you are like, I just don't know why God doesn't fix the problem that is in my life. It's because you need daily, you're trying to face Goliath and you don't even know the Lord. And you're like, if I can just have my pastor pray over me and prophesy over me and fix my problems. You need Jesus. Get in your word. Get before the Lord and pray. Worship. You're like, well, I don't understand. Is it this? Is it that? What is God really saying here? Let him tell you. Get off YouTube and that other pastor and that other book you're reading and get to the Lord. Do you realize that church is merely an appetizer? I am your appetizer. You're welcome. Tasty and fresh. Casey and the worship team this morning, that was powerful. That's your appetizer. Every appetizer in every restaurant was meant to point you to the entree. That pastor that you listen to on YouTube, that's wonderful. That prophet you subscribe to, that book you read, that devotional, it's all an appetizer to point you to the entree. What's the entree? It's Jesus. Is daily personal encounters with Jesus. Every day. We don't take days off. Every day I must eat of him. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If you think that you, you going through a bunch of appetizers, it's like charging yourself at a non-Tesla supercharger. It's going to take you hours to get to the same place you could get in 30 minutes. Well, I've attended church for years. I've read the Bible through and through, but you haven't met with him. You're charging at something that's not supercharged. Yeah, you might get there, but you'll be limping potentially by the time you get there, frustrated and confused. It's time you connect to the right charger. Mark 1, 35. This is very early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Early in the morning, Jesus got up. He went by himself to a solitary place. The Bible talks about shutting the door behind you, and he prayed. If you're wondering what it looks like to have daily personal encounters with Jesus, begin here. Early in the morning, get up, go by yourself, be alone, shut the door, and be with Jesus. And you'll meet with him. 
John 14, 12 through 13 says, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. So because he is going to the Father, now it's our job to do the works. What are the works? The supernatural. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. How do you begin to walk in the supernatural? By believing in him. How do you begin to believe in him? By meeting with him. How do you begin to meet with him? By daily coming before him. Daily getting into his presence. Daily listening to his voice. Daily encountering Jesus. You were created to be supernatural. You were created for your marriage and for your children to live in a home that is supernatural. I teach my kids and I talk to my kids about how to hear the voice of God and to prophesy. I've shared this a number of times from the stage. My wife and I, we pray together. We want to create a home, right, where we begin to see the supernatural. We have chapel sporadically in our home where on Monday nights we'll get together and if we're not busy and we'll just, we'll begin to worship together, we'll open up Bible and we'll begin to read. Now my kids are 10 and 8, right? My four-year-old, we just try to hide her somewhere so she doesn't distract us for now. But for my other two, we're like, no, we're going to sit down and we're going to, we're going to search the scriptures and we're going to talk about what the Bible's talking about. We're not just reading uh, the story of David and Goliath. We're in Romans. We're in Galatians. We're talking about truth of the gospel of Jesus. Truth that's in scriptures that will begin to transform their life. They might not even understand what it's talking about, but we're going to prophesy it over them. We want to create a home where an expectation of the supernatural is alive. We want to expect the supernatural. Expect that God will speak. When you walk in the supernatural, the devil's greatest attack against you will be fear. Verse 24, it says, when the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Verse 33, Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Fear is what the devil will use to try to stop you from walking in the supernatural. This morning, in just a little bit, I'm going to pray. And many of you are going to begin to get filled with dreams and visions. You're going to begin to get filled with hunger to walk out in the supernatural. The Lord is beginning going to speak to you and he's going to supercharge your heart where you begin to get filled with faith. And something's going to begin to happen. As soon as the Lord begins to speak to you, the devil's going to begin to try to speak to you. And he's going to try to speak to you in fear. And so even right now, we take authority in Jesus' name over every demonic lie and spirit of fear. You do not have any place here. There's only one spirit that we allow in this room, and that is the Holy Spirit. The devil will come at you with fear. That's why in 2 Timothy, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. God has not given you fear. He has not given you worry. He has not given you anxiety. He has not given you stress. He has not given you intimidation. He has given you power, love, and a sound mind. Power. So you must ask yourself, am I walking in it? Because what is the supernatural? That which is beyond my ability. Am I walking in it? If your dreams for your life are attainable in your strength, they are not supernatural. If the dreams for your life, you can attain them, they're not supernatural. The supernatural is what is incapable of being accomplished in your own ability. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Verse 28, Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, this is what, which is what so many, so many in church do when they see Peter try to step outside of that boat. Oh, how how easy we are to look at somebody who begins to step out in faith and we'll tell them their own probability of failure. We'll remind them that it won't work. We're really, really good at coming up with the probability of other people's successes when they get out of the boat. So his brother looks at him and heard him speaking with the men and he burned with anger and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness with? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch 
the battle. I thought about calling this message, watching the battle. See, thousands of years before Jesus ever died on the cross, the, the people of God had, had a history of just watching the battle. And every morning, they would be reminded about how hopeless the situation was. Right? They would get on the Israelite Gazette, pull up their social media, and they'd be like, oh, Dave, uh, uh, or Goliath, he's at it again. Oh, yep, still no, nobody, nobody's, nobody's stepping up. I'm sure people begin to come along, along the, the, the lines with the rest of the Israelite uh, warriors, and they'd be like, oh, what's happened? Oh, another day? Oh, and they'd listen to Goliath continue to defy God, and they would think, man, this is the worst it's ever been. There was just so much, just we need God to just somehow do something miraculous because this is hopeless. Now, I, I'm going to be honest. I can't tell you how many people in this church I've spoken to in the last two years and said the exact same thing. Man, have you seen that news article? Let's get out of here. This is the worst it's ever been. Sin is so rampant. Got really quiet. Can you believe who's in the White House? Can you believe what our governor's doing? This is the worst ever. I'm sure that's what they all were saying back then. Never seen anything this bad before. And they all come just to watch the battle. And so David comes and his brother looks at him. And his brother says to him, he's like, oh, you just, you're like everybody else. You just came just to watch the battle happen. But David stops and he says, no, you don't understand, bro. I didn't come to watch the battle. I came to fight. I came to fight. I came to get off the bleachers and get somebody else's jersey off of my back and put my own jersey on and sub into the game to say, put me in, coach. I'm ready. I'm tired of watching somebody else. I don't want to be a bench warmer any longer. And I, I know I might not be a superstar because I'm just a young kid. I don't know a lot. I'm ready. And, and yeah, I, I don't have the same weaponry experience. I don't have the same general experience when it comes to fighting. But I got hunger and I've got desire and I've got willingness and I've got fearlessness inside of me see some of you are sitting on on the sidelines because you don't think you got what it takes to get into the fight well I'll tell you the only thing that it takes to get into the fight is for you to say I'll get into the fight see I actually believe my life will change the world I believe that at the end of my life that there'll be nations around the world that'll actually be changed because of my life Come on, Larry. Nations are going to be changed because of our life. I believe it. I believe families will look back at my life and say, our life was changed because of your life. Churches will look back at my life and say, my, our, our church was changed because of your life. I believe that my life can change the world. There's nothing different about me than there is about you. I just happen to believe it. And so I look for ways to step out of the boat. In fact, I get really uncomfortable in the comfortableness of the boat because I'm like, I don't want to be there. I want to be supernatural. So I want to step on the water. So when I find myself comfortable, when I find myself safe, I'm like, oh, get me out of here. I want to take a risk. I want to step out in the unknown because it's in the unknown where I actually begin to see the supernatural happen. It's in the unknown where I see power and love and a sound mind tested. What would happen if all of us, all of you got dreams, all of you got visions, all of you got people around you who are just waiting for you to be supernatural? Waiting. And they all look at you and they're like, oh, you, you just come to watch the battle with us? Isn't this awesome? Just sit back in our lazy chair. Let's watch the world go to hell. It's wonderful. We'll just wait for God to come and save us. I'll tell you, I'm so tired of sitting back in my lazy chair watching the world go to hell in a handbasket. I owe the world an encounter with Jesus. And so I choose to step up out of my chair and step into the battle. And you might be like, well, what about all those scriptures where the Bible says, just stand still, don't fight. God will fight all your battles for you. We'll just stand back. What about, what about all those, Pastor? I, I know those scriptures. I know them well. I've recited them. I've, I've even preached on them. But you know, there's two sides to every coin. See, the Bible tells us that we don't fight against flesh and blood. 
We fight against powers and principalities and rulers of darkness. We fight against not man, but we fight against the supernatural. And I was called to be a participant, not an observer. I was called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. In fact, I was called to bear fruit. And if the Bible says that if I don't bear fruit, he actually removes me from the vine. And if I do bear fruit, he prunes me. It all sucks. Your life was meant to bear fruit. You were not created to simply have a good job and provide for your family, have money in the bank account, and go on vacation so you can live the American dream. You were created to stomp hell. You were created to advance the kingdom of God. That's what you were created for. The problem is, is we have language like superstar Christian. You want to know why we have language like that? Because one disciple got out of the boat and 11 stayed in. Because one little child went to fight Goliath while all of the great mighty men of war stood back and watched and observed. Did you know there's people in this room who are more qualified than I am to be a pastor? Did you know there's people in this room who know the Bible way more than me? There's people in this room who, who, who have incredible giftings. And they choose to sit on their hands and do nothing with it. All those men watching Goliath, none of them said to themselves, I know who my God is. And I'm not discrediting you providing for your family and stewarding your business well. But I've been preaching this now for a couple of months. I feel like God's trying to stir something in many of your hearts and awaken you to realize that your life has more meaning than simply going through the motions. Your life has more meaning than just simply trying to support a political party. Do you realize we'll wear the hats, we'll wave the flags, we'll put the bumper stickers on, we'll wear the t-shirts, we'll go to the rallies and we'll honk our horns when they say honk if you vote for this person. But when it comes to Jesus, we're all intimidated. I mean, if I came to you out on the street and I started to talk about your political preference, you would come alive and be like, well, let me tell you about all the things that drive me crazy about that other political party. But if I say, hey, you want to talk about Jesus? You're like, hey, can we save that for church? When are you going to wake up? When are we going to be supernatural? You're called to fight. I don't want to be on the sidelines. I want to fight. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us, to him who is able. There is a big difference between what we are able to do and what he is able to do. There is a big difference. More people get stuck on this because we view God in the image that we've created him in. And we break the second commandment, which is do not create idols. But see, what we've done is we begin to create God in our own understanding. Well, if I was God, I would do it this way. And if he hasn't done it, he must mean this. And if he hasn't done it yet, maybe he's going to do it in this timeline. And we begin to create him in our own understanding. Well, I tried that and it didn't work. I remember there was a time where uh, this was maybe uh, six years or so ago or five years ago. When was Zion? Five years ago? Six years ago, so this was maybe five years ago, we had just prayed, uh, we had just lost our son, we'd been in the hospital with our baby boy for three days, prayed that he would come back to life, he did not, we laid hands on him for three days, we left the hospital with a dead baby and we buried him. Just a couple of months later, I got a phone call from a lady whose husband had just died, he was at the funeral home in Woodland and she said, hey, I'd love for you to come lay hands on my husband to pray that he comes back to life. Now I had a decision. Because I had just experienced failure. Was my experience going to define my theology? Because I just prayed for my son to come back to life and he didn't come back to life. So surely how could this man come back to life? 
But I went there and I began to pray for the man that he'd come back to life and I believed that he would. And guess what? He didn't come back to life. In fact, I've laid my hands on multiple dead people and none of them have come back to life. But I have conviction in my heart that there will be a day when I lay hands on somebody who is dead and they will come back to life again. Why? Because I believe in the supernatural. Because I've met him, I've seen him, I've looked into his eyes and I've realized anything is possible for him that believes. So we look at this passage of scripture and it says to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond. It means that it's no longer your plan, which means if the goal of your life is to hide in your home and wait for Jesus to come back, you have missed it. But it says exceedingly, abundantly, beyond more than we could ever ask or think. So as you sit there for a moment, you begin to think about the purpose of your life. The purpose for your life is beyond what you can compare, a wall beyond what you can imagine, beyond what you can comprehend. So you may be like, well, you don't understand my life. And I'd say, well, you don't understand him. But, but you don't understand. I, I got a great job. I feel like I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I have great kids. This is wonderful. And I'd say, you don't understand. He's that crazy awesome. And he wants to do something supernatural through you. It's beyond what you can imagine. It's beyond what you can dream. Did you know if I were to go back 10 years from now, I wouldn't have been able to dream about what I'm doing today. I, I wouldn't have wanted it, I can tell you that, 10 years ago. Five years ago, I wouldn't even be dreaming about what I'm doing today. I don't know how far back it, it goes, but he's more than you could fathom. The purpose for your life is greater than what you could believe. The reason you're alive means more than you could possibly comprehend. Oh, you got issues? Great, so do I. Oh, you got problems? Great. So, oh, your marriage has struggles? Great. All of our marriage goes through struggles. But guess what? We work on them and we meet with Jesus and we grow. We stop looking at our spouse to grow and we choose to grow because when we grow, it begins to rub off on our spouse and our whole marriage begins to change. You are called to be supernatural. You. Not your spouse, not me, not just the person down the road from you. You are called to be supernatural. Every single one of you. David goes and he gathers five stones. I almost titled this message, David's got some stones. But I realized it just might offend somebody. David's got his stones. He had five of them. Boy, he had five. And let's talk about it for a moment. This is really important. Why did he grab, grab five stones? Many scholars believe he grabbed five stones because he was going to go kill Goliath's other brothers. Think about this for a moment. Before he even killed the giant, he was preparing for the other ones. Oh, I love this. I love this. Because for me, like, I, I begin to think about, I begin to think about, like, the first impossibility in front of me. But I believe God wants us to climb a little higher this morning. He wants us to begin to see as he sees, see above the mountains and above the obstacles and begin to realize there's something greater that he wants to do. Yeah, this is just one step, but I'm seeing beyond, right? Some of us, we can spend years praying about a decision. Well, I'm just going to pray for, for, for two years to decide. Just do it. Just get out of the boat. See, before I even go to the one giant, I'm going to grab five stones because I'm dreaming bigger, baby. Oh, Goliath, I know you're big and you're hairy and you're muscular and you've killed a lot of men. But guess what? After I'm done with you, I'm going to go after your brothers. Now, this may not touch the hearts of some of you in this room, but I, 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 like, I've read this pat just this scripture out of all this passage over and over. I'm like, God, he grabbed five stones. Help me to see it. God, help me to get my five stones. Help me to go get more than just what I need for this moment. But God, I know I'm going to need faith. I'm going to need greater resources. I'm going to need more money. I'm going to need more connections. I'm going to need something different for three years from now. So God begin to prepare me today. So God, I want to begin to steward well my life today so that three years from now, I got the stones. I believe that David held those stones. And every time he came against the brother, he grabbed him out. He had his sword. But I got to believe he swung that stone again and he killed that giant again to show it's not by might or power, but it's by his spirit. Some of you need to get some stones. Man, it's the gift that keeps on giving. You need to get some stones. I got to move on. Let me read this last passage of Scripture again. In case you can come out. Meanwhile, 
the Philistine with his shield bearer, verse 41, in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. I almost had Israel come up just to show you what it looked like. He was a young man full of health and handsome, and he despised him. Because I think sometimes we like to think David was awesome. He wasn't awesome. He was ordinary. He was common. He was young and inexperienced. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. Everybody say this day. Say today. Say right now. Say not tomorrow. Say right now today this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands this day fear will be delivered into my hands this day anxiety will be delivered into my hands this day I'll step out of the boat today I'm not gonna wait another day today some of you have been coming to church for years waiting to worship in freedom today is the day you break fear some of you have been so intellectual you've been going around the mountain year after year trying to figure God out today you lay down your intellect and you start fighting you're going to fight the devil with strategies of intellect you're going to fight the devil with power and love and a sound mind I don't care how smart you are I don't care how mature you are how much you know the word how many times you've preached before how awesome you are it's by power and might doesn't need it before today your strength isn't needed for today your wisdom it's his wisdom this day i will deliver the lord will deliver you into my hands and i'll strike you down and cut off your head ah feel it something in you like just cut the head of the devil off come on fighting this it's messy fighting fighting there's like you get cut and slashed you gotta be committed we got a church full of passionate people passionate people will fade in a moment but committed people full of passion they'll last I don't want to just burn for a moment I don't want to burn forever we need to be committed. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I'll give you the carcasses of the rest of all the demons around me to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God of the promised church. There's a God of the Christofferson family. There's a God here in Woodland. There is a God here. All those gathered here will know that this is not by sword or spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran to the giant. He ran towards the giant. Stop retreating. Stop walking. Stop spending two years praying about something the Lord has told you to do and run to the giant. You want to run to the giant would you just stand to your feet with me isaiah 60 verse 1 it says this arise and shine arise and shine arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord rises upon you see great darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over his people watch the news read facebook guess what thick darkness covers the people but the lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you ha ah, i just it's like i want to just grab the world and change it right now i'm hungry for more Playing the game of church and attendance and going through the ordinary. Who's got time for that? The 
world doesn't care about that. The world's looking for the supernatural Christians to arise and shine. Why? Because the glory of God is upon you. Wake up. Wake up. This morning, we're going to worship in just a moment. I want to pray over you. Would you just lift your hands up to the Lord this morning? For some of you, you've been listening to me and there's been something burning in your heart where you're like, I'm tired of watching the fight and I'm ready to fight today. If that's you, I just want you to come out of your seat and I want you to come forward as, a, as just a prophetic act to say, I ain't watching any longer. I'm ready to fight. That might just be a few of you. It could be all of you, but you're like, I ain't watching any longer. I'm fighting. I've been sitting on the sidelines a little too long. I'm ready to disciple somebody. I'm ready to lay hands on somebody. I'm ready to preach the gospel. I'm ready to love my wife differently. I'm ready to begin to, to uh, uh, parent my children differently. I'm ready to actually walk out in the supernatural. Today, everybody in the room, would you lift your hands? Jesus, I pray right now that there would be an infusion of faith, an infusion of faith in the room, an infusion of faith in the room. Send your faith, God. Send your faith, God. Send your faith, God. We break fear in Jesus' name. I come against the spirit of intimidation in Jesus' name. You were not created to be ordinary. You were created to be supernatural. You were created to change the world. You were created to walk on water. You were created to defeat a Goliath. You were created to see the walls of Jericho come down. This is why you're breathing. I will no longer be ordinary. God, I pray that you come and bring fresh vision, fresh dreams. God, deposit something in our hearts that says, I will no longer stay in this boat. I will no longer stay watching the battle. But God, I get off the bleachers today and I step into the fight. Come on, just begin to say, I step in today. I step into the battle today. I step into the battle today. I get off the bleachers and I step in. God, begin in me. God, begin in my family. God, that my children would be warriors for you. God, that my marriage would be strong. My children would know the Lord. God, teach us how to have supernatural homes, supernatural marriages, supernatural children, supernatural dinner conversations, supernatural times as we pray for our kids as we're putting them to bed, supernatural family drives, supernatural times out of restaurants, supernatural encounters with the Lord. God, teach us how to live supernaturally. Before we worship, before we worship, there's some of you in this room but you still don't believe me. You're struggling with fear and intimidation. I just want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand right now. Come on, who else? Raise your hand. Come on, I'm going to, I don't want to call out people, but the Lord is speaking to me of many of you right now. You need to be raising your hand. You need to break fear and intimidation. Right now, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you feel like you're struggling with fear. You don't actually believe your life can change the world. Raise your hand. Holy Spirit, right now we take authority in Jesus' name over the spirit of fear in this place. Leave in the name of Jesus. Fear go. Just begin to declare it. Everybody in the room. Fear go in Jesus' name. Fear go in Jesus' name. Fear go in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. God, I pray that you begin to bring hope, bring faith, bring an assurance, God, that they are called and chosen to be the hands and feet of Jesus. God didn't give you that business just to make money. God didn't give you that skill just to work in a job. God didn't give you those resources just to use for yourself. He gave it to you to change the world. He gave it to you. He gave you your kids. He gave you your marriage to change the world, to change your neighborhood, to change your family. I'm making a believe in myself. Fear go. Fear go. Fear go. 
Your eyes for the glory of the Lord.